Where Kindness Lives is designed to cultivate a kinder world by helping to inform and inspire. Hosted by Jenny Sager from Nextdoor, the neighborhood network connecting you to what truly matters so you can belong. We'll chat to the most thought-provoking individuals paving the way for positive change and hear from neighbors who deliver small acts of kindness every day. So come on a journey to where kindness lives. Hi, I'm Jenny Sager, and what an incredible first season it's been for Nextdoor's global podcast, Where Kindness Lives. I'd really love to thank everyone around the world for downloading and listening to our podcast, which is in the top 10% of podcasts globally. Today, we're going to revisit some of the amazing stories from our inspirational guests and hear the many heartwarming small acts of kindness from neighbors that filled us with optimism and happiness throughout the year. As you know, we start each episode by asking our guests, what does kindness mean to you? And it was in episode eight with Goodable founder Mohammed Leela that led to this very memorable moment. Well, we're super excited to have you here today. And we start by asking all of our guests, what does kindness mean to you? Wow. You know, listen, I, I, I've, I interview people for a living. And I'm not saying this to flatter you because it's the first question, but that's quite possibly the most profound question that I think I've ever been asked. And before I answer it, let me just say that I think that speaks to the core, the very core of who we are as people, uh, as human beings. So what does kindness mean to me? Wow. I, I would say kindness means the ability or the desire to put other people ahead of yourself. If I could make a universal rule and I could <laughs> enforce kindness on the population, I would I would insist that everybody put other people ahead of themselves. To me, that's kindness. I love that. And I think if there's anyone that's, that's heading in that di- direction, it's certainly you. As a follow-up to that, is there someone in your life that you feel like has been particularly kind to you? Is there someone that stands out there? Uh, yeah, without a doubt, it's my mother. Um, I, I grew up, like a lot of uh, young children do and teenagers do, feeling like I never fit in. Um, you know, I was... Uh, raised by immigrant parents in uh, a place that wound up being multicultural, but you still kind of feel out of place because I would go home and I would eat different food than the kids in my school. And I would sometimes wear different clothes and I wouldn't go to their church or their synagogue on weekends. I'd go to my own places. And I always kind of felt left out. And uh, whenever I felt sad, uh, my mother would come and I'm, you're, you're going to make me cry. Um, my mother would come and give me a hug. And it, it got to a point where I tried to schedule it into my day and I think it was either 10 o'clock at night or 8 p.m. at night. I would look at my watch and I would say, mom, it's eight o'clock. And she would, um, she would, she would just come and give me a hug. And if I didn't know what time it was, she would come to me and she would say, do you know what time it is? And I would say, oh, I think it's hug time. And she'd give me a hug and, and uh, she's my role model. And if I think of the kindest person that I've ever met, it's my mother. I really loved talking to Muhammad, and that was such an incredible moment. You know, kindness is contagious at any age, and we share small acts of kindness from next door around the world. I want to rewind all the way to episode one, where we hear how it's never too old to learn new tricks and show kindness. And our guest was celebrity chef Jason Roberts. So one of them is about Carrie Down. She's 69 years old. She lives in freshwater. She saw a post from her neighbor, Matthew, who's 38, asking for help to learn to ride a bike. So I actually saw this post and um, he just kind of put himself out there and said, kind of embarrassed to say this, but in my thirties, 
never learned how to ride a bike. Um, he grew up in a conservative family in India and he never owned a bike. His parents never taught him. She saw the post and she thought, I'm the next teacher. I've got a bike. How hard can it be? So she reached out to Matthew, offered her bike, and also offered him lessons. And now they've become friends. He's had three lessons. He's still on his training wheels, so to speak. Um, but he said that it was both terrifying and a little bit overwhelming, but he's also super grateful for her kindness. And she just talks about how rewarding it's been for her as well, especially being a retired teacher and um, being able to, you know, pass off her skills in some ways. This is, this is one of those stories where I actually would rather not talk about it. It's almost, can I have my three moments right now just to absorb how beautiful that is and, and what it is to be a human. I mean, that's, that's perfect. You've given, not only is she teaching him to ride a bike, he's given her purpose. It doesn't matter what age you are. We still all have purpose, but she's, it's that it's just pure connection and it's, it's collective energy. And, and from that, look at us, we're all, we're all three of us here are, are glowing and smiling because that's, generosity of the heart and purity and kindness in its greatest form and it's that melts me it's perfect when i told people that yellow wiggle greg page was coming on our podcast they were like are you kidding me you got a wiggle you know i was a little disappointed that he didn't turn up in his big red car but greg did open up about life on the road and you know what it was not what we were expecting um, look, touring could be very lonely. Uh, I mean, even though there were a, a good number of people on the road, there were times when there would be friction amongst the group for whatever reason. And, you know, there might be 20 people on the road or you might just be really tired and not up for socialising with the other people in the group. And you would spend time in your room and you would feel disconnected. And I think that, um, you know, for me, loneliness is epitomised by disconnection from other people and from society. And, you know, you're in a town you don't know, you've never been there before, you don't know where to go and what to do to sort of fill your time, you're tired, you're feeling a little bit run down, and that loneliness kind of kicks in. So nobody, I guess everybody, is prone to feeling lonely at some time. And I think it's how you deal with that emotion of loneliness, that feeling of isolation or disconnectedness that can really make the difference between, you know, picking yourself back up or perhaps, you know, spiralling downward and, and not getting out of it. And how do you deal with that? How did you personally combat that? Uh, I think I'm, I'm very lucky in that I'm a, a very positive sort of person. So if I get into those states or those feelings I don't stay there too long um, but I, I know that for some people it's very hard and I, I think it's it's a matter of for me refocusing you know re, reshifting your focus onto the positive things and, and not focusing on the fact that you're feeling a certain way because um, loneliness it can be brought on by situations but loneliness isn't necessarily a situation. So plenty of people can be on their own and be perfectly happy, but some people aren't. It's that emotion that, or that feeling that's connected to that situation that becomes a problem. So if you can shift your focus from what you feel and what, you're, what you feel you're experiencing, shift it to something else and try and you know, stay focused on that positive thing. You know, glass is half full. <laughs> Try and look at those kinds of situations. And, and you know, I, I think that can play a big part in, in helping people get through those times. Many of you will know that our podcast focuses on showing kindness to yourself first in order to live a healthier and happier life. 
In episode five, we spoke to one of my absolute favorite people, parenting expert and best-selling author Maggie Dent. If you've got kids, you definitely know who Maggie is. I really loved our conversation about teaching your kids to be kind to themselves, especially when it feels like it can all just be too much. And how do you teach, especially younger kids, whether it's boys or girls, how do you teach that self-kindness? Well, I, I kind of love to keep things simple because sometimes I think our expectations for children and what they can do is too high too early. Sometimes we have to also um, know that nature is a natural restorative um, place to be for anybody. So I always would argue, get your children outside. Just take them for a walk. You know, if you haven't got a dog, pretend you have, you know, whatever, just get them outside because we know that helps. And then the last one is that wonderful, you know, thing that says add water. <laughs> and I quite often bath, I put Philip bath, you know, when they were toddlers or, you know, preschool age, just, you know, and float boats and let's just chill, right? So I, I think some of those things, you've just got to work out that blend around yourselves. But I do think I did model deep breathing a lot. And I know that, um, you know, there were times I would say to me, you need to take three deep breaths, mummy. So can you see, I think it's at times that, yeah, you'll probably, there'll be some children that will just dive into your, you know, the smiling mind tracks and things just happily. But if you lay down with them, they'll often, I'm going to do this for me, do you want to lay with me? And what we found when we started bringing the, um, the calming audios into classrooms, it was boys that would turn up at quickest because, you know, school's a bit like a war zone for a lot of boys. There's so many things they've got to remember and there's so many rules and, you know, the dynamics of, you know, behaving in class and having fun. So when they found a place they could come in, lay down on the floor, no one was going to hit them. They were the ones turning up the earliest and sometimes they would say, I just think I got rid of all this this stuff inside me when I was breathing because I've been really cross lately. And one of the favourites we find for boys is calming the angry ant. And there were times that um, even in preschools that if an educator used that, the boys would start puffing up against a you know, tree going, <laughs> getting rid of my <laughs> angry ant because it's <laughs> red, <clears throat> and then I'll turn into a calm animal. And they were actually doing that in an imaginary fun way because it was a bit fun. So I think we just we just keep looking and trying and being um, and being as calm as we can. He worked with Steve Jobs at Apple way back in the beginning, where he was called the evangelist, and now he's the chief marketing evangelist at design platform Canva. His role is to build stronger cultures where people want to come to work and be their best self. Kindness is key in business, and as you'll hear from Guy Kawasaki, it has to start from the top down. It's funny, though, because you mentioned just moments ago empathy being key to kindness, and I think that's so important in a good business leader as well. So how do you relate that kindness in the in the business world, especially going off of what you just said? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe it's just PTSD from working for Steve Jobs, and I still haven't recovered. But um, I, I, I think, you know, the golden rule for me is to never ask people to do something that you yourself would not do. And in the workplace, um, I think that that is such a great standard. So to, to take some extreme examples, you know, if, if you are a Silicon Valley company, but your engineering staff is in Bangalore, 
And if you have a rule that says, uh, you know, director and VP level above can fly business class, but below that you fly coach. So if you're a CEO and you're telling me that you have a policy like that, so you're telling me that, you know, you wouldn't fly coach to Bangalore, but people below the director level have to. And I think that's utter bullshit. It's so great to hear business leaders leading in building stronger, kinder cultures at work. Kindness really is a crucial ingredient in a successful workplace. And as it turns out, it's also fundamental to getting the job in the first place. We learned this when chatting to NASA astronaut John Harrington, whose kindness on Earth rocketed him right into space. How much does kindness and your personality play into that selection process? And it's one thing you can you can write your background and your accomplishments and your GPA and all the things you've done in your, your career. But I think it comes down to sitting across the table from 15 people asking you why you, you know, tell us everything you've done since you're in high school. That's the question. You know, you sit down for that one hour interview, tell us everything you've done since you're in high school. They know you're fully qualified for the job. Otherwise they wouldn't waste their time. You know, you sitting in that room. So I think what they want to know is, is this person that somebody we can work with? Does this person has a kind personality? Are they, you know, do they have ability to communicate well with others? Do you think they can work well with others? Um, and just, you know, the nature of, is this somebody that, uh, you know, you'd want to, you want to view with. And I think that's what the, the, um, uh, the interview comes down to. And were you always like that? Were you kind of always somebody who could exist on a team and work well with others? Or was that something <laughs> that you learned through life? <laughs> oh boy. I was a loner. I was shy. I was introverted. You can tell, right? I'm a pretty introverted guy. <laughs> Uh, no, back in, back in the day, you know, growing up, I was, you know, when I went to college, I was probably the only, I didn't know anybody when I went to the University of Colorado. My friends I went to school with uh, in Colorado when I was a, when I was a youngster uh, didn't go to college. And so I found myself at the University of Colorado in Colorado Springs doing it on my own. Out of my element, uh, quiet, reserved, didn't want to talk to anybody. It wasn't until uh, I built some type of self-confidence in what I was capable of doing. In my case, that was the rock climbing that I mentioned from my talk. It gave me the self-confidence to realize that I was good at something and that I could accomplish something hard, both mentally and physically. And that, that changes a person, I think, in a lot of ways. And do you have any tips for anyone, whether adult or child, that's kind of struggling with that and, and is maybe not the best team player yet or is struggling in, the, in that kind of get along with other space? You find something to do that you, you're dependent on somebody else. And certainly in rock climbing, in my case, you're dependent on the person you're climbing with. And you have to value that they are doing what they need to do to keep you from getting hurt and vice versa. So there's this confidence that comes from, uh, you know, putting your life in somebody else's hands. And I think certainly from the military perspective, you know, as a, as a patrol plane commander, as an instructor pilot, as a mission commander, you know, you are responsible. And I think when you exude that confidence, that brings other people on board. And I think that allows them to have confidence as well that they can accomplish something. I really love hearing real stories from our guests who use Nextdoor. One of those was Emmy Award-winning TV personality Lisa Ling. She's an avid Nextdoor user in her very own neighborhood. And she's not alone because almost one in two households in America are on Nextdoor. That's one in three in the UK. And in Australia, 96% of households are in a neighborhood using Nextdoor. So the chances are you use Nextdoor or you probably know someone who does. In episode 14, we hear Lisa talk about how Nextdoor helped find company for her father when he needed it most. 
Well, you mentioned that you're a big fan of Nextdoor. What is it? What do you love about Nextdoor? You know, I, I, I feel safe on Nextdoor. And even though I don't know everyone in my community, I sort of feel like when I'm on Nextdoor that I, I do know everyone and that somehow because this is our community, we're all invested. We all want the best for our community. We all want to look out for each other because we hope that people are also looking out for us. Um, I've sold things on next door. I've bought things on next door and it's really easy because you can just walk down the street or drive down the street to fetch it. <laughs> so it's also, Oh, tell us something you bought. I bought a folding table. <laughs> it was, oh. um, someone in my community that I, I, I didn't know before, um, inadvertently bought the wrong folding table, um, online, which so, so often, you know, we all, we all do. And, uh, I had been looking for a folding table, so it was much easier to collect it from my neighbor than paying the shipping from, you know, Target or Ikea. <laughs> so yeah, I, I bought a folding table and I give away books on, on next door. Um, yeah, it's, I check in, check in on next door quite regularly and, uh, you know, people know I'm there. <laughs> well, the most random thing I bought was an ice cream scoop. I don't, I bought this like beautiful vintage, I, whoever, whoever knew there were vintage ice cream scoops, but I bought this like vintage ice cream scoop from a neighbor. It's so totally random. I'm guilty of like randomly scanning for a sale on free late at night and you know, getting stuff that I don't really need, but love picking them up from neighbors. Do you have a favorite next door story? Is there anything that stands out from your community? So when my dad was living with me, he had had some health issues and, um, was falling down a lot and he just, I couldn't be with him all day long. And so I put out there on next door, like if there's anyone out there who may have a little time on their hands, who might want to just come and hang out with my dad a couple days a week or, you know, even once a week, I'd really appreciate it. And I got a couple of people and, um, I, I met a woman, a retired teacher who also had a lot of time in her hands and she came over. She only came over a couple of times because then we moved my dad back to Northern California where he wanted to be. Um, but it was just, they had a precious, a precious interaction and, and, and relationship. And even though my dad is, is, has become very forgetful, he never forgets her. He sometimes forgets her name, but he like, Oh, what was that lady's name? Who would come over and sit with me? And it was just a really special, again, I felt safe on next door because, um, there was an address attached to this woman and, um, you know, she put herself out there, um, and, and responded to my post. And so, yeah, that, that was definitely a, a, a special next door moment that, that I'll never forget. Kindness truly is a superpower. And we heard from best-selling author, Dr. Kelly Harding about the healing powers of kindness when it comes to both physical and mental health. It turns out that our biggest determinant of our health is our social world by far. Um, it, I mean, it's not even close. Like medical care, while it's absolutely critical for every human being, only counts for about 10 to 20% of our overall health status. Genes count for something, but not as much as we once thought, thanks to our advanced understanding of epigenetics. And then um, the biggest contributor by far is our everyday social interactions. So, you know, that's everything that's happening in our homes when we're getting up and ready to leave in the morning. It's, you know, what's happening in our uh, 
in our relationships at work, at school, and really importantly, what's happening in our neighborhoods. And that makes a huge difference on health. And there are tons of, you know, I'm a, I'm a medical doctor and then I'm also trained in public health. And one of the things that was really striking to me is when you look at these large population studies, what you're consistently seeing is that the, you know, things like neighborhood, things like, you know, how many uh, social connections you have, all of that is impacting biology. And it felt like it's something that's not always appreciated by people, even within medicine. And then it also feels like something we have to be talking about far outside the walls of the hospitals and clinics. Um, And that's why I just absolutely love what you're doing with this podcast. And I feel like it's really, it's building those positive social connections that's so critical. There have been so many incredible guests in this season, and obviously we can't fit them all in the best of episode. But we want to end this year in review with the divinely hilarious and down-to-earth Australian TV personality, Jessica Rowe. For our international listeners, Jess is an absolute media powerhouse. She's a household name in Australia, and you'll understand why in a moment. A self-proclaimed crap housewife, Jess wants us all to be real and true to ourselves first in the pursuit of happiness. Sometimes you have those days where you're like, oh God, it's hard today, isn't it? So how do you manage that where you're you're trying to be kind and positive every day and, and taking care of the kids and working on your own projects and doing you anything else? And how do you make sure you're still kind of staying true to that value? And, and do you have any tips out there for other working moms? You know what? I think we've got to take the pressure off because... I don't want people to listen to me talking and think, oh, she seems to be so calm and have it all together. I don't. (laughs) There are days when I lose the plot or moments or minutes or hours where I just think, oh, this is too hard and I'll go and um, eat some chocolate and, you know, close the door and not want anyone to talk to me. Um, I I think we, we have to be gentler on ourselves and... At the beginning I spoke about being kind to other people. I know often we're not kind enough to ourselves and that to me is very much how we speak to ourselves. Often, I don't do this so much now, but when I was younger I I would be, I'd really beat myself up. I'd I'd speak to myself in a voice that I wouldn't dream of speaking to my mum my pet, um, my parents, as I said, my um, my partner, my friends. I wouldn't talk to them like that. So why was I talking to myself, this internal voice, in such a negative way? So for me, I think that's been a game changer to to be gentler on myself and to not always say to myself, "Oh, you know, you're hopeless at that," or "You're not good at this." Stop some of that negative self talk, but also realize that you know what, some days. Things will be harder than others and there's nothing wrong with takeaway, having dinner in front of the telly, um, staying in your jammies, whatever. You do what works for you and your family and not compare yourself to everyone else. There's often, I think, a sense of, oh, you think everyone else has it all together all the time and they have these amazing lives. No one does. And if they do, they're actually lying. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I think advice mainly take the pressure off yourself know that you are enough and if you're worrying that you're not doing enough you actually are 
What a beautiful soul Jessica Rowe is. I really loved speaking with her. And you know, one of my favorite parts of the podcast is that at the end of every episode, we do what we call the kind carousel. It's where we ask all kinds of questions. And it's really a bit of fun where we get to learn so much more about every single one of our guests. We learned that Lisa Ling doesn't travel anywhere in the world without an ab roller. John Harrington would get Richard Gere to play him in a movie. And we also got to hear Jessica Rowe's latest joke. What do you call a pile of cats? A mountain! (laughs) (laughs) So it's a shocker, but as a crazy cat lady, as well as a crap housewife, that would have to be one of my favourites. Do you know the one I stole from you that my kids retell over oh, and over what? again because they thought was hilarious was, what does um, cheese say when it looks itself in the mirror? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, me. <laughs> that has got, I mean, it comes up like every month. Oh, one of my kids yay. tells it like every few weeks. Oh, you know what? That has made my day. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> totally stolen. <laughs> it's so funny, and I just absolutely love hearing Jessica snort all the time. Oh my gosh, that laugh. What a way to end the year. The good news is that you won't have to wait too long to hear another episode from us because Where Kindness Lives will be back in the new year with season two. And you'll play a bigger role than ever before in every episode with some exciting new segments coming. Really, really looking forward to what the new year holds. But in the meantime, if you want to share kindness in your neighborhood, download the Nextdoor app or jump on nextdoor.com and start connecting with your community over the festive period, as we know this time of year can be the toughest for those suffering from loneliness. From the Next Door team, happy holidays, and remember, the best present doesn't cost anything, and that's the gift of kindness. See you in 2023!